Hello, parents, or those who are offended or upset by swearing. Just to let you know that this podcast only contains one swear this week, and it's the S word. That's hardly swearing. They say that on the news, I think, nowadays. So come on, Grandad, get with it. Here we go. I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey, Adam Buxton here. How are you doing? Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. Wonderful to be back inside your mind. I love what you've done with it. Uh, this week's chat ramble features Rob Bryden. Last year, I was on Would I Lie to You, the BBC's fun panel quiz. And afterwards, in the green room, Rob was regaling us all with uh, entertaining stories. And I said to him, hey, would you ever be up for coming on a podcast if I got one together? And he said, yes, I would. I would love that. And so I took him up on it. And this week, um, we hooked up in London. I don't know if you've ever been to London. It's huge. Uh, We went to Soho and to his agent's offices and sat there in in a room. And uh, it was nice. And Rob was eating a biscuit. I had some water. And we chatted for a little while about this and then about that. Now, I suppose what you would really, really like is for me to give you some more Rob Bryden facts, mainly gleaned from Wikipedia, that I am going to intone over a piece of weird music that I've recorded before going into our chat. Well, that's doable. Here we go. Rob Bryden Jones, MBE, is a Welsh actor, comedian, radio and television presenter, singer, and impressionist. Some of the shows you may have seen him on include Would I Lie to You, the BBC One comedy panel show. I I went on it. He was also in Gavin and Stacey, and Marion and Jeff, and its spin-off, The Keith Barrett Show. And of course, he starred alongside Julia Davis in Human Remains and alongside Steve Coogan in The Trip and The Trip to Italy. He also does a lot of voiceovers. Talking about Rob Ryder. That's right, Rob Ryder. Rob Ryder. Just making it absolutely clear that I'm talking about Rob Ryder. Rob Ryder. What have you been doing today? I did voices for an animation called of Roald Dahl's Revolting Rhymes. I've done these voices for the people that do the Gruffalo, the Gruffalo's Child, Room on the Broom, and they, to, to some acclaim, you know, they, they were Oscar-nominated. One of them. And, and then I've done this year's, which is Stickman, which is going out, you know, Julia Donaldson stuff. Sure. And then next, for, this is for the following Christmas. This is Revolting Rhymes. So I was in doing it. They're, they're quite exacting. I like the guys, but they're quite, you know, they, they obviously they, they paid to get you in. They want it in every, you know, what if, and they're, the guy is German. What if this time, but he's surprised at seeing the stick, but he wonders about it. Okay. What about now? He was expecting the stick. You know, it's no surprise. <laughs> okay. I've got used to it now. But you, when they first did it for them, which was for the Gruffalo, 
and I was the uh, snake. <clears throat> I remember thinking, oh, gee, come on, you know. <laughs> but they do, they, it turns out really well, so you don't mind, you know. Yeah, it's exactly. It's really good. Do you ever do voiceovers on documentaries? Yeah, but I'm not, I, I, I'm not as, as good at that as I, as I think I'm, because I don't, they, I, I think I sound a bit arch. I, I did, I'll tell you a funny thing. I did one for, um, about beavers in Colorado and problems of them locally in Dalida. Yeah. I didn't realise when I was doing it, there were lines like, it's it's Saturday morning and Warder Dave, he's hungry for beaver or he really wants beaver. And I, I didn't get it when I was reading it. I had bad reviews for it, you know. <laughs> like, oh, Rob Brydon scraping the barrel with this humour. And it did honestly not occur to me. I don't suppose there was a line... Like, Warder Dave is hungry for beaver. Well, it wasn't hungry, but it was something like that. <laughs> because he's he wasn't been, killing and eating No, no but, no, but he, was, he was, you know, he, yeah. he's been wanting beaver now all week and right. stuff like that. He absolutely loves beaver. Seriously, it was, yeah. it was stuff like that. And he's I didn't, didn't realise it. I thought, to me, any wildlife documentary is, is by virtue of what it is, a positive thing. So I went, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. So I've done a few of those. Um, they take a long time, though, don't they? No, not as long as... Animation, not as long as characters for animations. They, they, because um, they're far, they're very exacting. I find with narrating a documentary, it tends to be uh, quicker. Whereas if you're doing an animated character, because there's emotion or intent, they they want you to cover every angle. Uh, I like them. I mean, the best thing is just to go in and say, "See in store for details." <laughs> or Philadelphia with chives. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the best. That's as good as life gets. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's 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 zero effort, you know, and they they're quite well paid. Do you agonise over which products you endorse? There's, yeah, there's things uh, people may find this hard to believe. I'm often accused of whoring. Um, fair enough, but there's but like like the best whores, there are some things I won't do. Of course. Some clients you just say, no, come on, mate. So, no, there are things I don't do. Um, I'm trying to think of examples. I wouldn't do those loan companies. I mean, where do you draw the line? You know, you say, well, those companies are taking advantage of people. Um, but where do you draw the line? For me, I try and avoid ads for booze. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Even though I love booze, personally. <laughs> and would never deny anyone booze. Yeah. Unless they were obviously... Um, in terrible trouble because of booze. But I don't yeah. like the idea of sort of promoting it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And But when you get into this thing of looking at different companies yeah. and, and what have they done, I mean, you've gone around in circles there, couldn't you? Because, right, because I mean, so I've advertised so... everything, Adam. I, I mean, I've, my list of voiceovers is as long as three or four arms. Have you I'm... done that? You haven't done the army. <clears throat> I might have done the army. Have I you think. done income tax? Uh... No, I've done pretty much every newspaper. Yeah, I've done, I've done many foods, washing powders, breakfast cereals, cars. Oh yeah, loads of cars. I've done Fords, Peugeots, yeah. all, all sorts of things. Have you uh, done intravenous drugs? No, but I have voiced uh, an information film. If you were going into hospital to have. I did one, if you're going into, this is years ago now, if you're going into hospital to have a colonoscopy, yeah. my, my voice was on a DVD the night before telling you what to expect. Okay. Well, that's um, good. That's, that's helpful. I've done in the last year or two years, I did a, a charity one for some kind of illness, uh, which involved intravenous drugs being administered. Yeah, but they're good. I guess I was thinking... Uh, oh, what do you mean? 
I was thinking about well, heroin. Yeah. I no, I've turned those down. Have you? Yeah. They're the yeah. best paid, man. I think Simon Pegg got that campaign, didn't he? Did he? he? Yeah. Because you yeah. just do a silly voice and then no one knows it's you. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. When, you, <clears throat> when I started doing voiceovers, nobody knew me. And you could do anything. I mean, now I, I turn stuff down because I don't think it's very good. I don't mm. think it's very well written. I think, the, I think the standard of writing, and I don't necessarily mean creative writing, but just grammar. You go in now to a studio and you read stuff and you go, who wrote, and I, I find myself saying, which is maybe this is why I don't do as many now, is who wrote this? This is dreadful, you know. Do you say that or do you just I have, say, if I'm in a bad mood, I have been, no, generally no, I, I, I smile and I'm everyone's friend. But sometimes, yeah, if I'm having a bad day, yeah. I'll go, for God's sake, you know, what is yeah. this? <laughs> and do you suggest ways they could punch it up or change it? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's fun. I mean, it's the, there's an art to the whole thing. And I speak to other people who do voiceovers and stuff, and we agree that it's uh, it's fun getting it exactly right, trying to get mm. trying to do the timing, mm. um, you know. And they say, oh, you shave uh, half a second yeah. off that one and uh, yeah. put a, put put a bit more of a smile. Well, in for the years, voice. it was it was what I did. It was how I paid the bills and and yeah. you know paid them quite handsomely, you know. And I used to. We're in Soho now doing this and <clears throat> this area. Me and Pete Serafinovich were kind of doing a lot of them at the same time. This is like the late 90s, early thousands. Mm-hmm. Pete was doing more than me. I mean, he was the real kind of king. But I would sometimes do four or five in a day. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, you know, not now and again. But yeah. two or three a day was pretty common. Yes. Pete, you know, would be six or seven a day, maybe more, you know. That's he, like he, Olivia Coleman standard. <laughs> but you could, in those days... There was more money around, and you could you would see other voice artists because they get a few of you in for one job, you know, and you, oh, you'd okay. play a scene together. Right. One of the first I ever did was with Donald Sinden and Pauline Quirk. Wow. I was playing Noddy. He was Big Ears. Mm-hmm. Pauline Quirk was Martha Monkey. Classic. It was directed by Steve Benderlach, who did The League of Gentlemen sure. and many other things. And the the story was that Noddy and Big Ears were around at Martha's house and she was giving them some food and it was mushroom soup. And in the course of eating the mushroom soup, Big Ears, Donald Sinden, began to think, well, hang on, where have they got this mushroom from that can feed this many people? Because Big Ears lived in a mushroom. And he said, where did you get this mushroom? I mean, was it in, a, in, in, the, in the forest behind a picket fence? And she says, yes. And he goes, no. Because it was for house insurance, you see, the ad. And I remember Steve Bendelak talking to um, Donald Sinden and saying, uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's dawning realisation. And Donald's dawning realisation, yes. And Steve actually said, I mean, it, it's, it's Titus fucking Andronicus. And, and Donald went, Titus Andronicus, mm, yes. So we did a take. I, I, I was noddy and I had to say things like, uh, mm, lovely soup, Martha. So we did a take. And at the end, I mean, you know, you stand there, just like in Matt Berry's thing in Toast of London, you know, where he's giving him the talk back. And you stand there, and the note came in for Donald. Could you make it a bit bigger, Donald? And Donald said, no, I didn't know, looked round at me and Pauline, and he went, bigger? They don't know what they're asking. <laughs> and that was one of the first I ever did, and I thought, oh, wow, I love this world. Yeah. I don't suppose Brian Blessed gets the uh, could you make it bigger note that often. Uh, well, no, 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 not Brian. Well, maybe he does because that's what people want from him. And uh, Yeah, I suppose so. He comes in one day and thinks, 
I'm going to go nuanced today. I mean, at one point, he's going to have to, you know, get quieter, you know, as he gets older. Mm. <clears throat> Unless he just keels over. I mean, he, My dad's know. voice has gone very high. I mean, he's old now. He's like yeah. nearly 92. But yeah, it's gone quite high every now and again. Voices change. People's voices do change. I, um, you know, I do uh, impressions and things. And some of the people that I do, I some voices I've noticed, McCart- I don't really do a very good McCartney, but his voice has changed. Uh, it's, it's become so, you know. Well, I think it's like there's a less mobility around the mouth. Alan Bennett, if you think, people think of Alan Bennett and they, the kind of classic period to, to do Alan Bennett is talking heads. And it's, oh, man, when it's quite high and that sort of thing, and he did, and, well, Malcolm, and that sort of thing. But now it's, it's much more at the front of the mouth and it's quite slow, and there's not as much, you know, movement in the mouth. Oh, like that. And uh, McCartney, yeah, he sounds like a tape that's been slowed yeah, down. Yeah, you know, there's that kind of thing going on. You know, it's just the thoughts are just as fast, but you know, the mouths are not catching all quite as quickly. You know, which is fine. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny Paul McCartney story. I went to see. Um, <clears throat> he was doing a show for his last album. Uh, at Maida Vale, Radio Maida Vale. So I got managed to get tickets to go and see it. And I was stood in the front. There was a tiny studio, you know, him and his band. <clears throat> I took a friend who was a massive Beatles and McCartney nut. So this meant, the, I mean, I like him a lot, but, you know, this, my friend, is wow, you know. Um, my friend is in Cardiff. Whenever he comes to London, he walks around Soho Square by MPL, by the offices, just in case, just in case. And this is a grown man. You know, he's like my age. He's 50, He's older than me, actually. He's in his mid-50s, maybe. I can understand that. I've done similar things with Bowie. Well, yeah, but not now, surely. Not yeah. as a grown adult. I, if I was in New York, I would hang around where you I would You wouldn't. Not would. now, at this age. Yes. Why? Because... They... What do you think is going to happen if you meet him? He's not going to say, come on tour with me. <sighs> no, what really would happen is that I would start crying. But um, anyway, but don't we get to that age where you go? Well, even if I met these people, so what? What's going to happen? You know, it's true. That's a good point. No, uh, the older you get, the more you realise this. Well, they're just people. They're very talented people. Fantastic. Yeah. You're, but be- you're best off with them. In a way, it's better to keep them on that pedestal. Of course, you're right. Yeah. Anyway, so we did this. So we went to this show, and I'd met him maybe once or twice before. But you never think someone like that is going to remember you because of who he is. But anyway, he came out and he saw me because I was right in front of him and he was kind of making faces and, you know, giving, hey, how are you doing, kind of signs. And my friend, this blew him away, you know, my God. But we were so close that you had to keep respond. I felt I had to keep responding all the way through, like, great, because he was literally 10 feet away. And then at the end, Joe Wiley was, uh, lovely Joe Wiley, was hosting it and she came out to interview him and she said and there was such potential for embarrassment here she said Paul great show da 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 and such a small venue yeah you know it's really small and then she went and Rob and as she said that he said something and talked over her and I thought oh she was about to mention what on earth was she going to say you know and he answered another question you know and then he got to the end of that and then she said and is it strange I mean she said is it a bit nerve-wracking looking out there and seeing Rob Brydon there, right? Which is the most ludicrous, you know, it's Paul McCartney. Of course it's not nerve-wracking seeing me there, right? And it was kind of, and I thought, oh, God, oh, this is the potential environment. And he was so sweet because my heart just stopped. I thought, well, as you can go, 
what are you talking about? I'm Paul McCartney, you yeah. know, I've, I've played in front of whoever. And he, he said something like, well, you know, yeah, it's really strange when you see people, you see the familiar faces, you know. But, I mean, bless, bless Joe for, for that. But, um, and then here's an example of how things happen in newspapers. They reviewed the gig in, I think, The Independent. And it said, complete misinterpretation, even a master showman like Paul McCartney admitted to being nervous in the presence of funny man, you know, me. And you think, yes! Well, no, I didn't think, no, I didn't, I didn't think yes. I kept <laughs> no, it, but I didn't think yes. I thought, I thought, yeah. wow, did, is that what you took away from that exchange? Yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, I'm, I, it was great, thank you very much, but, you know. I mean, it, it beggars belief that he hasn't just gone completely insane. Yeah. Being yeah. who he is... Uh, having the life that he's had, being yeah. so famous, yeah. having so many people be obsessed with everything he does. I mean, more or less every day of his life has been documented in some way yeah. and yeah. scrutinised and poured over for meaning. But I think he's managed, he seems to have managed to stay. I mean, who knows? I don't know him, but he seems to have managed to stay grounded. And I think he's still an enthusiast. I think that's important. Yeah. I, know, I know from other stories of people who've met him and stuff, he's, he's a fan of yeah. people. So he understands that and he's still really interested in things you know i liked it recently when he when he talked more honestly about how he feels with people comparing him to lennon and sort of yeah. the way that people are just assume lennon was the genius mccartney he's the soppy one uh his yeah, songs... I know, but i was surprised that he cares like he does because to me i want to go yep. You're Paul McCartney. I mean, that's the end of the story, isn't it? But isn't that... That's the ultimate proof that everybody cares. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah, which is nice. Like, even if they don't... Even if they act like they genuinely couldn't give a shit, they probably... my God, if he he hasn't done enough to to go... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, judge me on what I've done. I mean, you know, nobody can. And, And he's done so... I mean, that guy's just astonishing, you know. I mean, John Lennon, of course, was wonderful, but one of the advantages, there are no advantages to being gunned down in cold blood. There's so few. But if you, but if you die young, yeah. you don't have to grow old and you don't have to see your work, you know. Unfortunately, he didn't know that that was going to be the case. <laughs> so throughout his life... He did worry about all those things and he probably did like have all those worries that we all have like oh I probably shouldn't smoke oh I should probably eat better yeah. oh I should exercise more yeah. all those things um, now you have met speaking of heroes you've met Anthony Hopkins <laughs> is that right mm-hmm. have you met him on more than one occasion even um, yes he's he's someone that I think it would be exciting to meet even though I I've read enough interviews with him to know that he is uh, not a big outlandish personality at all. He seems very low key. Mm. He's uh, either feigning or genuinely feels mystification for people's adoration of him and uh, and people who are in awe of his talent. He's like, come on, mate. I'm just mm. I just pretend to be these people. There's not that much. To well, he comes from the interesting thing with him is that he comes from the same street that my father grew up in at the uh-huh. same time in Margam in South Wales. Yeah. Yes, I have met him a few times. I think he's quite private, so I, I'm always wary you of, of talk. Well, yeah, because I think he's a I think he's a private kind of bloke. So I'd hate I would hate to 
you know. But he's uh, he didn't disappoint. Let's put it like that. Right. Um, Did you meet him on a, a, a work-related basis or, or no? Just just had to bump into just, each other? just we arranged and, and it was and we fine. Met. Oh, and, it was fantastic! Yeah. Wonderful, yeah, yeah. And had, yeah. Did, did he know who you were? Did he see yes, stuff? yes, he did. Had yes. he seen you doing an impression of him? Yes, oh. yes, he had seen that and he was aware of all that. And he thought it was funny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, usually yeah. when people hear impressions of themselves, they say. <clears throat> okay, that's funny, but it doesn't really sound like me. We had, um, I, um, I do see. The funny thing with impressions is, I don't necessarily think that my impressions are that good. I think some of them are, right, you know. But I do a sort of very exaggerated Al Pacino. Yeah. And I did a like Al Pacino. Yeah. And I did a film earlier this year with Jessica Chastain. Oh. And she knows him pretty well. He kind of discovered her. He gave her her big break in oh, Salome. Yeah. You see, yeah, yeah, and they they're friends. So I did this in front of her one day, and uh, I mean Jessica's quite a formidable kind of woman. You know, you you, you don't want to you don't want to mess with Jess, mm-hmm. and uh, she she was entirely dismissive of it. She thought it sounded nothing like him. No, I don't think I did it again. It was a long shoot. I don't think I did it again. I was like, oh, okay, because fair enough. You know, if you know the guy, okay. What was the film you were working on? Can the you Huntsman. Say? Oh, The Huntsman. Yeah, yeah, with me and Nick Frost playing dwarfs. Ah, oh, that's uh, a sequel, right? Yeah, it's a sequel to Snow White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chris Hemsworth and uh, Charlize Theron, Jessica Chastain, and uh, Sheridan Smith, and Nick Frost, me, and Alexandra Roach. Huge. I mean, I've never done a film like that before. Massive. Yeah. The unit base was like a festival, you know. Um, you know, just huge. Good catering? Yeah, I put on weight. Because, you know, something like that, you get picked up Early, 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 because we had prosthetics. We had two hours of prosthetics every day. So, which you know, the appeal of that fades after a while. Um, so you get picked up and you're sitting in the car. You get there, you have a bit of breakfast, sitting down. Then you sit in makeup for two hours. Then you get dressed. And it was a, a many layered costume, you know. So you have a dresser because you've got different layers and different things you got to get into. What time is it by this point? <clears throat> Uh, well, it would depend on what the call time was. The call time would vary, but you could be picked up as early as four in the morning. That's horrible. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you um, good at going to bed sufficiently early to make yeah, that bearable? I, I, mostly, nine times out of ten, yeah. You have to, because I'm terrible without enough sleep. I, I really am awful. I'll, I'll do almost anything to avoid insufficient sleep. It's the exact opposite of doing something like Would I Lie to You, which is in the moment, in the instant. Now, the great thing about that is... You go in about midday, ba-boom, ba-ding, ba-bang, you do it, ba-doom, you get the response from the audience, you're home by 11 o'clock if you want to be, you know. It was lovely, I love that. But it is what it is, it's disposable stuff, it's funny, it's, I'm very proud of it, but it, you know. Whereas with a film, you really feel, with what I like to, the only added ingredient to what we do on the night is the editing. Other than that, there's nothing else, it is what it is. A good edit that fillets the best stuff is, is great. But on a movie like this, there are so many people bringing expertise to the table, whether it's the costume designer, the makeup people, the effects people, the, 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 the different actors. And you do it so slowly. You do it... I rather like that. Once I got used to it, the painstaking way of working. There's a scene in it where we're in a forest... There are many scenes when we're in a forest. There's one and then some a big bunch of characters come and join us. And it'll be about, I don't know how long it'll be on screen, it'll be about 
four minutes, five minutes. It took, I think, four days, something like that, to shoot that. All these different, and the weather was changing. I mean, how are they going to put it together? But you really felt that you were a component part, and as long as you held up your end and you did your bit as well as you could, you felt as though you were in really safe hands, and they were going to, you know, make this thing that was—that's the expression. Bigger than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. That's what I was. Whereas something like what I lied to you, it is the sum of its parts, you know. So I loved it. I really enjoyed it. To return to Anthony Hopkins. Oh, sorry, yes. yes. Favourite Anthony Hopkins film? Favourite Anthony Hopkins film? Well, I mean, there's a lot of films, really. Tony's done. Uh, I think The Remains of the Day is very hard to beat. I think it is. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just a simple book. That's all it is. A simple book. Uh, Howard's End I'm sorry if you're a friend Margaret I really am but the poor are poor that's all there is to it good day uh, what else uh, well, oh, well Silence of the Lambs kind of goes without saying but times it's Shadowlands you know when he cries at the end of Shadowlands he's just he's one of the special ones isn't he you know there's some people they're just special and, and he is that uh, I've seen him on stage as well and uh, he's just a remarkable he's just a remarkable uh, talent but when you meet actors, so he's in his 70s now, when you meet these people and you get to know them a little bit, I just did a show for Children in Need with Tom Jones, he's 75. Once you get past a certain age, you're all kind of in the same boat. The age thing becomes irrelevant, you know. You're just the same, it's just you're further down the road, you know. They have experience that they can tell you about. But in terms of how you you feel as a person, that age thing becomes far less of an issue. You're just two people, two men, you know, talking about your experiences. Um, Now, the older one may have lived a bit more, so has had a chance to experience more. But I'll bet they don't feel that age. You often hear that said, don't you? Oh, I don't feel... uh, Um, It is weird, like... um only a few years younger than you, but mm. still I'm in the process of adjusting to being the age I am. Yeah. And every now and then like, I'm walking down the street or whatever, or I'm in a bar or I don't know what, and I'll feel like an 18-year-old. Well, that's, that's what I mean. I suppose that's what I'm saying in a way, yes. And then the, yeah. it's like sometimes a younger person will look at you. It's, you mentioned something similar before, and um, you're suddenly aware of how they see you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, shit, they think I'm like an old guy. Yeah. Because that's what I am. Yeah. Oh, wow. absolutely. Well, I just done a play at the Old Vic where I played a teacher. And the rest of the cast, uh, it was a sort of conscious thing on Matthew Waters. Future Conditional. Future Conditional, yeah. Um, the oldest was 29. And some of them, it was their first gig out of drama school. So, which is not a bad start, is it? Matthew Watchers at the Old Vic. Um, so I, I did feel like the older person. I yeah. mean, I had the, I had the most extensive CV. I, I had. I don't think any of them were parents, you know. Um, but I became friendly with them, and and we would go and have you know on matinee days. We'd go off and have tea together and stuff in between the shows and. You'd be talking, and uh, that age thing, on so many levels, becomes totally irrelevant because um, you have in common that you're actors. But where you would notice it is, uh, my first scene was the third scene, and I, there's an actress in it called 
uh, Natasha and I would always go she'd be stood in the wings and I would go through my first speech because I did monologues you see so I would go through the words of the first speech before I went on and we'd always say hey how are you doing you know what did you do last night and very often for her it was well we ended up in a Cuban bar I got back about seven this morning she said what did you do and I would say well, I went home I had a bowl of cornflakes and I went to bed <laughs> so the difference was felt there. Do you have children in your house at the moment? Yes, They're, yes, yes. How, how old are My they? My little ones ask? are there. They're seven and four. Right. And then you have three other children, though. Are they older? Yeah, yeah. They're 21. Obviously they're older. <laughs> they're 21, 19 and 16. Oh, okay. The 21-year-old is off in uni, the, and, and they live with, they're from my first marriage, so they live yeah. uh, just a couple of miles up the road, but they, they're with us. So they're, they're on autopilot before. now. Well, yeah. Or are they... Um... No, so, yeah, it's a very different... Obviously, you're not... You're not uh, playing as big a part in their lives as you are in the, the seven and the four-year-old. Yeah. That's the day-to-day uh, side of things. Yeah. What's your most shiny golden nugget of wisdom? Oh, you've, right. That you've imparted. Oh, God. I mean, mine are all fairly trite. Go on, give me yours and then I'll tell you mine. <laughs> They're mainly things that um, I got from my dad, I suppose. Yeah. Like what? Uh, well, not that he coined it, but do as you would be done by, obviously. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty fundamental one. Yeah. One of the ones that he used to say was, um, the people that mind don't matter and the people that matter don't mind. <laughs> yes. When I, would be, when I would get embarrassed about things, you know, yeah. if I thought that uh, our car was too crappy or oh, something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Things like that. I, I suppose I always say to be aware of how young you are and wow it doesn't last forever yeah you know um and to try and live in the right order you know the things you can do at this age do you think anyone can really take that advice on probably not yeah i think there are some people who naturally live that way i think there are some people who when they're young say things to you like well I'm doing it now because I won't be able to dinner or I'm going to do this you know I was never like that mm-hmm. um, do you regret it? Uh, to a degree what yes. would you have done that you didn't do? Um, like hedonistic stuff or more kind of well hedonistic is putting it uh, you know perhaps a bit too strongly but yeah maybe maybe realise that it's easier to stay out late when you're you're younger it's not so much of an option now because it takes days what did we do? We had a we had went to a friend's half place in France. We stayed up very late with them, drinking quite heavily. Just recently. Yeah, yeah. and it took a week before I felt normal. Yeah. Again. It took a proper week, you know, and that's and that's not a week of lying in a darkened room. That's in a week of being dad and you know doing all the things you have to do. You know. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's the thing I usually say is, is try, but that applies to whatever age you are. You know, it comes back to that whole living in the moment thing, you know, live in the moment, live in the moment. It is a break, it's a break, it's a break in the podcast. It is a bit between two other bits. It's a break, it's a break, it's a break in the podcast. It's like a necklace between two tits. It's a musical break, it's a pause in the podcast. Stopping one bit from merging with another bit. Break, 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 break in the podcast. Kind of like a bum crack track. I really uh, don't like the trip. I really loathe the trip. I yeah, I know. It's never, you've never, you've never really settled with it. Have you? I, I find know. it to be incredibly self-indulgent. Self-indulgent. Yeah, smug. And, and, smug. And, and I am someone who loathes all forms of mm. self-indulgence. Mm. 
So mm. I find it very self-indulgent and very smug. Mm. That's the word I would use. Yeah. And also, uh, like it's like you're looking down your nose at, at people the, generally. At yes. people generally, yeah. and sort of saying, "Oh, look at me! I'm Rob Brydon, mm. and this is I'm playing a version of myself." That's right. Well, and that's what we were hoping. I'm having my cake yeah. and eating it. Yes, yes, yeah. And well, so that's what we were hoping to that's achieve. That's the exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah job, very much. Job done. Um, I like that show because I was being ironical there. I don't know if you picked I, up Halfway that. through, I began to doubt. Yeah, did you think, oh, yeah, right, he's, it got, he's, he's uh, committing to this. Yeah. Um, no, I did, I did enjoy that I know that what you show. mean, though. I mean, listen, I, when Michael Winterbottom came to us with well, this Well, he's a director who likes to play with those elements, though, isn't well, he? Well, yeah, Michael and loves skip deconstructing around. Yeah. things, yeah. But when he came to us, we initially both said no for those reasons. It'd be, we want to be self-indulgent, to be smug, self-regarding, and also how on earth are we going to, because a lot of it is improvised, how could we possibly fill six half hours of good stuff? And even now, if I see a show described as playing a version of themselves, unless it's uh, Larry David, I I think, oh God, get over yourself. So for the people that don't like the trip, I I, I kind of want to say, hey, I understand, you know. I mean, and it's one of those things, you know. It's uh, some people absolutely love it; they adore it. And they quote it to me, and they love it. But there's a, um, a healthy constituency who also think it's self-indulgent, tosh it, nothing happens. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, if you enjoy the show, I think you buy into the relationship between you and Steve. Mm. You already knew each other by that time, right? All a long time, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that comes across because it yeah. it it, it uh, works because you have this chemistry. Like uh, me and Joe, like my co- uh, mm. comedy wife. Mm-hmm. Um, we always talked about doing a show like that, not yeah. not as a drama, yeah. but like when people would ask us for ideas, if we went and had meetings or whatever, we never had any ideas. Our idea was let's just carry on doing exactly what we've been doing for four series at Channel 4, which is doing like little parodies of yeah. pop culture bits and pieces. But then when we were pushed harder to try and think of something different, one of the ideas that we kept on mentioning hoping, like as a joke, but hoping that someone would take it seriously, was Adam and Joe's Very Good Time, where we just go around the world and visit really lovely places, <laughs> and they just film us doing it yeah. in cars and stuff. And this was before now. Now it's almost like a genre. I think yeah, the trip yeah, yeah. was one of the first times I'd seen yeah. it properly realised. Yeah. But now you've got more reality-based shows oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. Seinfeld's uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee oh, that's online. Show. That's probably my favourite. Yeah, and that's wonderful, isn't it? And, and, and the technology has yeah, yeah. made it possible to make yeah. these things look good so you can rig a car with GoPros. Mm-hmm. And, and suddenly you have the best of all these different genres mm-hmm. like travel mm-hmm. shows you get to see these beautiful places you get yeah. access if you if his, his is great though the, the comedian cars getting coffee yeah uh, for the editing alone it should win all the awards going it's beautifully edited uh, it's the perfect expression of his thing you know that he does which is economy and uh, 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 crystallising of ideas have really you nice. seen the Brian Regan one I've seen it I've seen every single one of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've not missed one. I, I, some of them I've watched again and again. I, I really do. I, I adore it. I, I think it's, it's as if he's making it for me, which is what people say when they love a show. Isn't it? It's as if he's making it for me. Um, and 
uh, my favourites, but I like the Michael Richards one very much. I like the uh, Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks one, the Alec Baldwin one I like very much. Yeah, he's very uh, funny on that. He's terrific. The Louis C.K. one is good with the little animation. Yeah, when they go on the, on uh, the, boat. the boat. yeah. See, the thing about someone like Jerry Seinfeld, what appeals to me about him is that unlike me, he seems to see the world very clearly. He seems to see it. He knows what he thinks about things. He's very black and white, and I'm not like that. So, so therefore, I find that very appealing. And he says things like, he's, he's a parent later in life. And he says, you know, now there's this, this I'm not doing, it's not doing his routine or anything, but he, he talks about how you read your kids' bedtime stories and how long it lasts. He said, when I was a kid, the bedtime story was go to sleep, you know. <laughs> and he said he'd been there, I think their kids in this episode go to the same school. And he says he went to some evening where they were talking to the teachers. And the teacher said, the progression, it can be a difficult adjustment going into year whatever it was. And he said, he said really? Well, you know what? Adjust. <laughs> <laughs> and so is that more or less the way that you did the trip, though? Were you, uh, the car was ringing? No, no, it's different. The, the, the trip is, uh, Steve had a nice way of describing it. it. It's kind of writing it as you go, as opposed to improv. So there's some things, that are, there's tons of improv. But one of the most famous things from it was Gentlemen to Bed for We Rise at Dawn and Would It Be a Continental Breakfast, all that stuff. Now that was done again and again and again and again and again in different locations. So we're finessing it all the time and you're learning, you're getting better at it because Michael needs to shoot it. You know, there's the ones where the camera is in front of us at the back of a, of a Ford Galaxy or something well, then there can't be any cameras in the car. So that's one take, but the mic's alive. And then there's another one where Michael and, and his cameraman will be in the seat behind us filming us. Then there's another take of the same thing when we're on a low loader. So in Italy, in the Italian one, when we're going along the Amalfi Coast on a blisteringly hot day, you would do that scene where we're talking about... Or something or other, anyway. And we would do it once on the back of a low loader, once with Michael and camera in the car with us, once, well, not once, I mean, many times, you know, but, uh, and then with us driving and the Ford Galaxy in front of us with the top open and then filming us that way. Then again, you do an up and pass shot where they're waiting at the side of the road just to get us going by. So, it's it, it's 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 not as um, you know quite as in the moment yeah. as it looks because if you you know you've only got to stop and look at the different angles that we're achieving. But the thing is though that it's not it's not necessarily happening in the moment like it is in comedians in cars because my understanding of that I could be wrong is that they do have a nice conversation. I don't think they go back over stuff and redo stuff as far as I'm aware. Mm -hmm. Whereas with us, we're very much as you would in a drama or a comedy. We go back and we do it again. So things that look very spontaneous, like at the lunches and things, you know, we, we have each course three times. And then within that course, within that one serving of that course, you will do it, you know, again and again and again and again and again, you know, so... And when you are doing the trip, yes. do you get to actually enjoy the locations that yes. you're in? Yes, very much. Yeah. Very, I mean, Italy in particular. 
It was different to the Italian one to the first one because in the first one, it, there was very much a case of what are we making here? You know, this is yeah. Michael's idea. Steve and I are going on a leap of faith here. What's this going to be? You know. Um, the second one, there was the pressure of following a hit, but there was equally a feeling. Well, people do like this, you know, so we just got to get it right again. But yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, the the scenery there was was just beautiful. It's a stunning part of the world, and it's a really good way to see the world when you're filming something because you don't have to think. You get looked after. You know, you everywhere you go. Can I get you this? Can I get you that? Which I have to say, someone as shallow as myself responds very well to. You know, yeah. I think especially when you know I'm a father of five, so there's a lot of responsibility in my life. So I quite like it when I'm then filming. And have you got this? Can I get you that, Rob? Let me sort this out for you. Give me a bag. It'll appear at the next hotel when you get there. Here's your tickets for this flight. You are, yeah. I'll take you down to the gate. You know, it makes it very easy. Um, so you very much get to appreciate it when we were in Ravello which is where we talk about Gore Vidal and kumquats and things like that. Um, and, what, and what was he, what was he talking about? He's, Steve is quoting something. We both got very drunk. There are quite funny outtakes on the DVD of that. You got actually. genuinely drunk? Oh, yeah, yeah, we often did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly if you look at our eyes, mine in particular, my eyes are red as hell. I'm just, you know, it's the afternoon and... Didn't that cause problems though? Didn't that make it difficult? If you're if you're doing takes and you're doing reverses yeah, and all still, that stuff, you can still uh, you can still manage it. You really, know, you know, yeah. But that's what I mean about it being writing on the hoof, as it were, because we'd settle on a shape in the early takes, and then you just keep mining that kind of seam, as it were, you know, and finessing it, and hopefully you know where the good moments are, and you know what the timing is, and you just try and laser in on it a bit more, you know, and. Uh, yeah, we that was that was great fun. But then equally, there, there are other times when there's a scene in the last one where we're in the amphitheatre at Pompeii, and I remember very clearly. We we talk about Anthony Hopkins, funnily enough, but I remember very clearly sitting there and thinking, "I've got nothing," because Michael will say, "Talk about this, this, and this," and sometimes, boom, off we go. But this time, personally, I can't speak for Steve, but personally, I was thinking well I, I really haven't got anything you know but also knowing that that's okay just wait you know something you learn with experiences oh it's okay we'll just wait don't panic you know just wait mm. just, uh, it's heartening to hear someone like you saying that they can have moments where they think oh I've got oh well of course good god bloody hell yeah <laughs> that's very sweet of you to say that of course bloody heck all the time yes of course and on have I got news? Uh, have I got news? Uh, on would I lie to you as well? Well, that's easy from my point of view. I'm not being falsely modest. I mean, Lee and David do the heavy lifting. I, I do think there's a there's a talent to hosting it well and 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 keeping it all flowing smoothly. But you know, they're the guys that have to produce stuff, and I can just pop in now and again. I I try to have a cup, two or three fun, funny moments for myself each week. You know, um, no, that's just that that show is. The three of us feel the same. We love it, and it's just a delight to do. It's easy to do. You know, we, we, we were very fond of it. Happy team, happy production team, happy people. We all get on. The three of us get on, and then and then the immediate producers, production staff, who, who we've known now for some time. Yeah, we have, a, we have a meal together every year, a few weeks before we shoot, either at mine, David, or Lee's house. 
And though some of those nights have been some of the funniest nights. The, with the one at our house was two years ago, I remember. I mean, I don't think I've laughed that much in age. I mean, because Lee in particular, uh, I'm not saying either one is funnier than the other, but Lee, Lee will be funny at dinner all the time you know he, he's he's always he'll, he'll find and he's he makes me laugh so much and David was getting involved he was but Lee is naturally like that you know if you're in a situation with him because we live near each other so we often do things together and our families know each other so he doesn't he doesn't switch off though he's like that on and off screen well yeah he? I mean he can you know he, he does switch. I mean he's not uh, that there's a, whenever you say that about someone no, it, made there's a sound. slight suggestion that they're insufferable yeah. which which, <laughs> which which is not the case no he's not that but it's just that it's 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 about living in the moment do you know what I mean it's about enjoy he knows he can do that and it makes me laugh so much so much um he is insufferable though come on <laughs> no 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 of course he's not that's just a bit of silly humor This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area. And spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. That's it for the podcast this week. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Thanks to Rob Bryden for gifting me his time. Till next, we're together. Take care. I love you. Bye. Hey, who says toilet paper can't be cool? Oh dear, oh dear. We're only five in and we're at the toilet paper. That's not even a parody of a thing. Who says toilet paper can't be cool? Next time you're wiping, make sure you wipe with Batty Weft. Who used the last bit of toilet paper and didn't replace it? That's not acceptable. Running out of Batty Weft, got to get some Batty Weft. Buy a bit of Batty Weft and put it in the toilet. Keep the Batty nice and clean, no, we Batty Weft.